Hello and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. This episode we will be discussing two Lower Decks installments. A Few Badgies More and Caves. A Few Badgies More was directed by Star Trek Lower Decks heavy hitter Bob Suarez, who we've seen many times. Fine director, by all measures. Written by Edgar, mm, I will not say the name correctly, but I will do my best, Mom Placer. And Edgar Mom Placer, interestingly enough, is a comedian, a stand-up comedian and writer who has written for Blackish, the uh, long-running television program, the 71st Primetime Emmys. Uh, Dear White People, another show that's well-regarded, and a bunch of other things that I don't think are worth mentioning. But, you know, pretty good resume on uh, Edgar. Well, very good. Indeed. What the hell was that opening, by the way? You read, oh, it, like, you read it like William Shatner. You know, like a bad William a Shatner people. impression. For the people. The, I need to let the people know that we don't pre-record that intro. It's all live, baby. I think at some point you need to say, hello and welcome to In Star Trek, we trust. They start to, you know, try to do yes, Ernie Anderson. Yes, on Star Trek, we trust. Yes, totally. So interestingly, right, a few badges more. I got to assume the title is a play on for a few dollars more, the Spaghetti Western film. Yeah, correct. Just like A Fistful of Datas was with A Fistful of Dollars. Hey, all right. So you are correct. But isn't the title of the film for a few dollars more? Oh, probably. But even so. Yeah. Yes. Why don't you go look that up? I will, because that kind of bothered me a little bit, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it is called For a Few Dollars More. So why couldn't they call it For a Few Badgies More? I don't know. But that's okay. Mm. We're not writers. So that's, we don't know these things. What is, was, so, was anything for a few badges more? It was for a few dollars more, but it was only right. a few badges more. Right. And it was only a few badges more, but was there something for a few badges more? What was for a few dollars more? You know what I mean? What was the... Never mind. What were they doing? I don't know. They were doing crimes. They were, yeah. doing, they were, being, they were immoral for a right. few dollars more if that's what it was about but yeah. it's been a while it has i i don't even i don't even know if i've ever seen it to tell you the truth i'm not a western person really so uh, the, the, the spaghetti westerns are a different breed i recommend yeah. them yeah well they're one of those films that it stands above its genre let's put it that way well a few badgies more <clears throat> was lots of fun it was we get the the thrilling return of badgie we do and a few more badges. But uh so yeah, so take us through. So what's going on in this episode? Uh well we got we got two well, okay, we got two plots going on, but they're both related to the once again, the dangers of artificial intelligence, which is yeah. I think very timely. Right. And we also get the thrilling return of Peanut Hamper. Peanut Hamper. Yep. Mm-hmm. We found out that Peanut Hamper really is a, a good soul deep down. Mm-hmm. I know. I was waiting for that moment when she was just going to turn turn her back on all of them, and it never ended up happening. No. Yeah. True. Uh, uh, Peanut Hamper has truly been rehabilitated. So, in this episode, a few badgies more. 
Um, Boimler and Tendi are called to the Daystrom Institute to oversee Peanut Hamper's parole, which the whole sort of plots, that whole plot was like really fucking destroying me with laughter because when we see, because we, as we've seen in the past, we've seen the Daystrom Institute, we've seen all the sort of evil AIs locked up a couple of times actually. And so we finally go back to the Daystrom Institute and we see all of them like, you know, they're all gardening. They're all sitting around in a circle discussing their feelings. Yeah. It's really like they're really taking it. I love the fact that they're taking these AIs, but treating them like actual people in some yeah. kind of corrective facility. They really are. It's like a mental hospital. It's right? like a mental they're hospital. Therapy. Right. And so it's, but it's Peanut Hamper. And um, so you have Agamus who appeared, um, I think it was last season, who was voiced by, Jeff, who's voiced by Jeffrey Combs. Yep. And they have and don't forget Tyrannicillicus. Yes. And they have been scheming since she got there to to try to escape. Um, mm -hmm. But it seems like Peanut Hamper has had a bit of a change of heart and decided that her rehabilit and decided to take her rehabilitation seriously. Although yes. given what we saw last season with Peanut Hamper and forgive me, I forget the alien species, those bird people. Right. I was kind of expecting her to not take her rehabilitation seriously. And I thought that we were just kind of getting set up for some kind of betrayal at the end. The double cross. In, in, Which ultimately did not occur. The plan was to double cross um, Tendi, really. To play off Tendi's right. nature. Right. And it, it, But, you know, Boimler, of course, has some reservations. He doesn't really quite know if he should, if he should trust Peanut Hamper, you know, and rightly so. And additionally, and so in the other plot was, you know, in the in the same theme of AIs, Badgie makes his return, having taken control of a Drukami ship because he was salvaged from some debris. And so Badgie, of course, then takes over this ship and Rutherford has to make an effort to try and convince his creation to stop. Because he's attached to the alien. He's now. attached to the alien like through Rutherford's old eyepiece. Exactly. And, you know, Badgie, of course, Badgie is, has quickly become one of my favorite villains um, through Star Trek because he, it's just it's such a it's such an absurd villain. And yet he's so likable and so funny. And I sit there watching the same myself. You know, I'm kind of rooting for Badgie a little bit, but I he's a villain. So I know he's not actually going to come through, but I also don't want anything bad to happen to him either. Like I want Badgie to be I want Badgie to be redeemed in some way. And Badgie was redeemed for a little bit. He was redeemed for a little bit, yeah. So, but between these all two, all he needed was a hug. All he needed was a hug. But then, well, but then he begins to. <clears throat> then he split. It didn't really solve the problem, though. Right, because then he splits into evil badgie. Right, badgie, the evil badgie is worse. Mm -hmm. But then there's also nice badgie. But that was also a nice sort of that reminded me of the original series episode, The Enemy Within, when Kirk is split in two. You have evil Kirk and you have good Kirk, but they can't really survive without each other. Which I kind of wish they could have, they would have played up a little bit on this one. Like you find that even though Badgie is splitting in half, he can't really survive without his other halves because he ends up splitting twice, if you recall. Mm -hmm. So, but between these two, I would say that the Badgie plot was my favorite. Peanut Hamper was never really one of my favorite villains on this show. I find it to be very annoying, actually. And I just hate that okay. name, too. <laughs> I do kind of like how ridiculous it is, but I I enjoyed it mainly because of um, 
Agamus and Lord Tyrannicillus and all of that, and the whole thing of Agamus <laughs> playing on the trope of the evil robots have red lights and the good robots have blue lights. Yes. And yes. all he had to do was change the color of his light, and oh, everyone sort of, oh wow, he really has turned things around. Well, and I would I would imagine you know the red light is kind of a um, a nod to two thousand one, right? That's what I would guess. I mean, I know the light has been red the entire time, but assume, but for some reason it it that this is when it occurred to me. It's just as to hell, it's just two thousand one hell, and he has a red light. That's very true. He does have yeah. a red light, and that's what I have to assume. That's what that is kind of a reference it be, to. It definitely starts to be that. I wouldn't be surprised if in the original series there was mm. a, a robot that had a red light. But you know what? I just sort of assumed that there was without really thinking about it. Let me ask you this. So Star Trek, New Trek lately has been doing a lot of episodes about artificial intelligence. I mean, you had uh -huh. all of season two of Discovery. Then you had, it was a it was a theme in season one of Picard. I think did it come up in Strange New Worlds at one point? I can't remember. I don't think so. But now it's mm. come, you know, and it's come up several times on this show. Mm. What do you think of Trek? Just constantly, it seems like Trek is coming back to this topic often. Um, I find it to be fitting, just given where we are with AI nowadays, and just how quickly and generative AI, and just how quickly it seems to have asserted itself as being a dominant um product out there now that many companies are trying to adopt and everyone's you know obviously a lot of people are afraid of ai now because they just feel like oh it's going to take away my jobs and so yeah, totally will. right not all jobs but some jobs right so um, yeah i think it's great because i think that you know hard science fiction has always tried to look at things of the future and um kind of predict where they're going to go so i think right. ai has been really in science fiction has been a trope for a long time. You mentioned it 2001. Has. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any before that, but I'm sure that there have been. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think John Carpenter's Doc Star, but that's a, that's like a spoof of 2001. So mm. I think it's a good thing. To, I think it's a great topic for sci-fi because mm. of course there's always been AI around in Star Trek. Right. So what I find interesting is that when discovery was doing it, and then when Picard did it, AI was not as prevalent back then. And that was only a couple of years ago. I mean, chat GPT, for instance, has kind of took the world by storm pretty quickly. And now yeah. there's all talk about, you know, now there's generative AI and AI has become a real force now. Yeah. And, and we're, before it was sort of in the realm of science fiction only. It was. Yeah. Which is neat because people had been grappling with these ideas long before they were even mm -hmm. close to being a reality, which right. is what sci-fi was great. Mm. And I mean, I'll admittedly, like I use I use ChatGPT to help me organize my notes, and it yeah, organizes my notes a lot better than I would. I'll tell you. I just want you to know, folks, my notes, no AI involvement in my notes. Listen. Just just organization. I don't need. I don't Organic need material only. I don't need. Uh, I don't need ChatGPT's hot takes. No, no, it's terrible for hot takes because it can only create hot takes that it's read from someone else. Right, so it's not going to. You never get an original. And ChatGPT still hasn't pulled any info past September 2021. So, as far as ChatGPT is concerned, there's only one season of Lower Decks, and Strange New Worlds is still up and coming. What a sad life ChatGPT has to live in. Only one I know. Um, so, tell me, give me your thoughts on these two plot lines. I mean, do you have a preference? Anything stand <clears throat> out? Um, let's see. 
Um, I definitely enjoyed the peanut hammer. I think peanut hamper line storyline. I think it had a lot of great jokes in it. Mm-hmm. And I love Jeffrey Coombs. Right. Of course. For, um, from his time on Enterprise playing. I, I think that's why I love the Andorian so much is because of him. So. Right. Uh, I always enjoy hearing him. And he was playing the voice so great. It sounded like it could have been from the original series. Yes. The voice is just such an over the top kind of theatrical. Yep mad person voice well and also in the original series like whenever it was some sort of whether it was some kind of an ai or some kind of omnipotent being they always had an echo to their voice yes like they do on this yeah yeah very funny i think reverb there you go yeah that's Um, that's that's the word i'm looking for reverb thank you i did like that one now i like the the mariner rutherford team up because that's what we don't get often so it's that true. was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I don't know. Here, on my honest view, I don't really like peanut. Ha- I'm not peanut hamper. Rather. I don't really like Badgie that much. Oh, so we're kind of reversed here. Yeah, I found Badgie uh, get a little tired. We haven't seen him in a while. I don't think we did. We see him last season. I think I don't know if we've seen him since season two. Right? No. Yeah. I don't remember feeling this way about Badgie last time, but this time I just sort of felt a little. Uh, yeah. It was just a little much. Yeah, a literal mustache twirling villain. Um, interestingly, voiced by uh, what's his name from Thirty Rock, which I didn't realize before. The never Page. Watched, never watched that show, but I know you're talking about the blonde guy. Yeah, it's a very good show. Yeah, I tried watching it a few times, but I just wasn't just wasn't my thing. Well, I'm sorry you're wrong. That's okay. I'm wrong. <laughs> it wasn't my thing. I didn't say. I didn't say it was bad. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Your opinions are great. They're like elbows. Everybody's got one. Sometimes too. Exactly right, but I, I got to say, like I was saying in the at the top of the show, I did truly appreciate the fact that Peanut Humber, Peanut Hamper went through a transformation this time. I was just sort of bracing myself for some sort of last minute betrayal, mm-hmm. and it never happened. And I well, thought to myself, okay, but hmm. let's think about it. There was a last minute betrayal. Well, there was, but like was he was expecting her to. Yes, she betrayed yeah. him. Well, I guess yes. what I'm saying is I was expecting her to betray somebody and do her evil deeds, but really she betrayed right. somebody yeah. for the good. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I really I enjoyed how, how um, uh, Boimler and Tendi started to feel bad for Agamus. Hmm. And they sort of just let him think that he was pulling one over on them. Um, that was That was really, really funny. So he sort of became a pathetic character pretty quickly. And they just kind of let him do his thing. And they're like, oh, we'll just let him, well, I feel bad. We'll let him stay a little longer. Right. Uh, and all that, yeah. Yeah, so I think overall, I mean, it was pretty It was pretty good. I mean, I liked, I liked this take on AI this time. But I, I think that, um, I know you say you don't like Badgie very often, very much. But I, I have to believe that this may be the last time we see him. Just given how that plot ended up wrapping up which you know because badgie managed to get control of every computer in the federation and i will say more efficiently sounds like someone else we know borg i was gonna say he managed to do it in a far more efficient manner than they did in season three of picard and i thought to myself jesus christ he didn't have to change everyone in starfleet's dna (laughs) but you know something i think it also it, it kind of spoke to that whole i thought kind of spoke to that whole thing they were talking about in picard where every federation ship is linked in some way to each other like on mm-hmm. on a mainframe 
and it was like he it was almost like he was able to take advantage of that same idea i don't know that the that connection that between other ships yet. even existed yet yeah picard. they didn't do that but, until picard, right but that's what I, i'm like at first i was like oh my god is this like the beginning of that but no because they they talk about it as a new thing in picard and picard is about i think about 10 15 years out from this right so right. but he managed to do it far more efficiently than than the board did which is kind of terrifying <laughs> Uh-huh. But I liked that he evolved and transcends into like some kind of he has like some sort of spiritual awakening, and the ending yeah. of it, I'm sure it was a nod to it. But you know, obviously, the first thing I thought of was the ending to Star Trek: The Motion Picture when he just evolved into a higher being. Uh yes, I, I right. was reminded of Wesley, honestly. Oh yeah, yeah. That this is this is the how you get rid of a character they evolve past the show and then you say bye bye. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I could see that. I I just I had motion picture vibes all over, and I think because it was far more of a um, they got to witness it happening, and like it it was sort of like this beautiful moment of him just evolving, and I that's what I thought of at the end of it was the uh, the motion the the end of Star Trek the motion picture, but it was very clever. But at the end yeah, of it, I, I did like badge uh, the uh, peanut hamper story better. But at the end of it, we get good g mm. badgy and good at first we're like when they said his name i was like wait what is it and he <laughs> said and i, I had to like look at the closed captioning and it said good g and i was like good g and i was like oh bad g okay i understand now <laughs> even though it's badge yeah. but i was like oh i get it now all right and i didn't even put that together yeah but i also didn't question it you... so yeah that's good bad g i didn't think of that yes yeah. nice. But I, you know, I, yeah, I liked the badgy plot a lot more. I wasn't, um, I, the peanut hamper one was fine as well. But like I said, I'm not a fan of that character all that much. And I, I, it's funny. I think I have all the same notes about peanut hamper that you say about badgy. Like you said, you know, you, first of all, you said you don't like badgy. You think that badgy was, you kind of said overused. I feel the same yeah. way about peanut. I think peanut hamper has like oh, the well, same, yeah. I think the peanut hamper has like the same number of appearances. Yeah, I think that Badgie's a little one note. Yeah. Whereas I guess Peanut Hamper is also a little one note, but I guess I like that note better. I kind of wish though they were able, the two of them were able to meet. That's true. Because yeah, they never, they never did meet. But I get it. Like Badgie feels like feels one note. Like Peanut Hamper has some, has a little bit more humor to her. Yeah. And sort of unpredictability. It. Yeah. Like Badgie's just evil because you're like, well, why is he evil? <clears throat> Right, before, because right? bad G, obviously. Because bad G. But the thing is, I don't... I wonder if that was even taken into consideration or did somebody stumble upon that on this episode? Like, wait a minute, the word oh, bad is in his name because it's a bad, it's a Starfleet badge, and so it I makes think so. sense. It was never played up before. It was never played up, and I think I, I honestly think somebody thought, somebody putting this episode together thought, wait a minute, we can just call the other one Goodgy because the word bad is in badgy. Yeah, that must have been a great day in the writer's room when <laughs> they figured that out. When they, when they stumbled upon that? Or yeah. maybe they knew about it and said, we have to wait for the right opportunity to use it. Right, right. Well, this is definitely a good opportunity to use it. And I, I have a note here in my favorite funniest line, but I it's because it's been a bit since I watched the episode, it is completely devoid of context. Mm -hmm. So perhaps you'll be able to contextualize it for me. Okay. It is... Someone, I don't even know who, says, I mean, Mariner's right because I brought it up. 
I don't know what you mean. All right. Well, not, we'll, let the, we'll let the listeners enjoy that one. Okay. <laughs> Wait, say, tell me, say the line again. I mean, Mariner's right because I brought it up. Who said that? I don't know. So the line is, that's such a generic line. Like, I don't understand. So obviously it was the context that made it funny. But what I think I remember is that um, someone brought something up and then like Mariner said something that solved the problem or said something very profound. And the other person thought, well, yeah, they're right because I'm the one who brought it up, even though they really didn't do anything. Hmm. But yeah, I'd have to see that scene again to see what. what I know, yeah. This, maybe we should just cut that out because that sucked. <laughs> um, I will say though, I was practically—I don't know if I've ever said this word aloud before. I, I was practically guffawing. That's oh. a fun word to say. When Badgie was attacking the Cerritos, because he kept saying he kept saying like he kept booping them because he knew all of the di- all the different shield frequencies. You know, and those are some of my favorite lines. Boop, boop on the nose, boop on the nose, boop on the nose. And then Shax is like, he's bypassing our shields. We can't take any more boops. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I yeah. did like when, I think, yeah, when Rutherford said something about giving his son a hug. Right. That was funny. That was one of my lines. What did you think of Logic-E? Logic-E? Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. I take issue with the pejorative when I simply am a product of your self-inflicted... <laughs> I can't even say this word. Bifurcated? Bifurcated, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm an idiot with that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm an idiot. Like, what does that word mean? Bifurcated is like... um, uh, Where's my AI, yeah? Split in two, like... like Bifurcated. By two parts. Yeah. Put in two parts. So bifurcated thinking, is that what they say? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So bifurcated thinking would be that it's. Too, well, no. He uh, says in your self-inflicted bifurcation, is what it is. Oh uh, yeah, bifurcation. So the division of something. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard that word before. Maybe I have, but it just, it was so prominent in that sentence. Yeah. Oh, I checked it. So yes, the division of something into two branches or parts. Okay. And then. Excellent. Even Rutherford, like, again, back on the boops, he's like, sorry, Captain, but I can't let Badgie boop my friends to death. <laughs> so, I overall, I thought this was a strong episode, but um, not my it. favorite of the season. I enjoyed it. We <clears throat> did get a... Hold on a second. I'll do it. So we did get an update on the ongoing death ship mystery. We did. And apparently what we found out is that the ships are being stolen, not destroyed. Mm -hmm. Which was interesting discovery since it seems like they've been destroyed. But this might mean that they're actually leaving false debris around or something. Yeah. Mm, The plot definitely thickens as far as that is concerned. This is the... So in Act 1, the Binaz... So it attacks the Binaz. Now the Binaz, of course, have appeared on... Uh, next generation in the first season the binos took over the enterprise briefly but this is actually the first time we get to see a binos ship we've never actually seen their ships before and mm. i was like no 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 don't destroy the binos and i got i kind of got a little upset when that happened so but luckily we find out in this episode that that is not the case yeah what do maybe somebody's building a menagerie somewhere what <laughs> what do you think of that like it's i, I 
it's an interesting development. And I wonder, like, did they think of that a little bit down the line? Like, was did they originally intend for those ships to be destroyed? Then somebody said, well, we don't know that yet, know that yet. And they made that change. And so when you look back and, like, it looks like the ships have been destroyed. Did they change it, like, a little, I know bit, this a little ways going, down the line? You know what I mean? I know this is going back to the old well, but I would say, like, Kevin, this is not discovery, okay? I, you don't have to assume that they don't have a plan and they just make it up as they go right, along. Right. I think they probably planned this. I, I would hope so. I would hope so. It's it was just, very well done. You get a little bit here, a little bit there. I gotta. I mean, I got to give Mike McMahon more credit than he, you know, more credit. Yes. I, I just, no, it's... it's it, discovery did not even come into my mind when I when I had that thought. I uh, just, but so when you said that, the first thing I thought was, oh, that's a discovery move. Set up a big mystery and have no idea how you're going to... Yeah, like, I, the, I wasn't thinking of discovery, but I just wondered, like, did they change it somewhat or did they just I gotta think they just wanted to the audience progress and yeah I guess it would have gotten old if it had just well they short another ship it would have kind of been like all right come on get on so, with it will you I mean it's a very interesting development I mean what do you what do you think of this I have no idea they haven't given us enough to think anything I think mm. which is okay because normally that would be a criticism of a show they don't give me enough to theorize yeah but because this is only a minute or two at the beginning of a few episodes, and it's not the thrust of the whole show, I really don't right. mind. I'm, I'm intrigued to, at some point, get this resolved. It doesn't feel like... I mean, even though it's been getting some screen time in just about every episode, but it's like you say, it's only for about a minute, it doesn't feel like a mystery that's hanging too heavily over the season. Like, I'm not thinking about it all the time. I'm only sort of thinking about it in that moment and when it comes up. But when I'm watching... Yeah when I'm watching the episode of that week, it's not like I'm not thinking of it's that's not hanging over my head saying like, well, what's going on with that mystery ship? Like, I, like I want to know more about that. Like I remember like watching, I know I mentioned, I referenced the show a lot. Like when I was watching lost at the time, you know, way back when there'd be multiple mysteries going on. And there were times when I would say they'd be, they would like begin a mystery at the start of the episode. Then they would just get away from it. And all throughout the episode, I'm like, I don't care about this. I want to go, go back to that. I want to know what's. I want to know more about what's going on. Going on with that mystery. This is yeah. not. This is. It is not the case with this one. And I think also because it's the first time Lower Decks is. I think is really sort of like laying on a mystery like this. I mean, I think they've done some of it, but nothing. Not to this degree. Yeah, definitely not. Not not through yeah. a whole season like this. So. It's interesting. And it's not enough to theorize, as you say. I think it's a good way to do it because, as we pointed out, when you do a season-long arc, if that doesn't, if it's not a really great story, then right. the whole season becomes uh, a drudgery trying to watch it. But I think it was also a wise move to do it the way they did because, as you say, there's not enough there to theorize on it. So we can't even guess what it is. And mm -hmm. I think because of that, it doesn't, at least, I think for me anyway, it doesn't make it very frustrating, right? Like they're not leaving me any, you could say like it would get frustrating if they're not leaving you any clues. But because it's only occurring for like 60 seconds in an episode, it's not like. Yeah, I'm, I immediately put it out of my mind. And put it out of my mind. Well, because you, you also, I think in the back of our minds, we have confidence like, yeah, they'll deal with this when it's time. It's not time this week. And we like everything else on the show so much that we're not constantly thinking about this mystery that keeps coming back every week. Yes. So they have enough goodwill. Although, they have enough goodwill for me. It does not come back on the next week. It does not. Which is the episode. 
entitled Caves. Caves. Directed by Megan Lloyd, a familiar name in the director uh, pool over mm-hmm. at Ordex, and written by Mr. Ben Rogers. Fun fact about Ben Rogers, uh, Ben Rogers was an actor on Lower Decks yep. before being a writer, playing Knickknack. That's funny, uh, Knickknack, wow, good character. And Lieutenant Commander Stevens on nine episodes. Okay. And now wrote for the show Workaholics and now writing for Lower Decks. What a, what a bump, right, from being a small voice role. To being a writer. Yep. Absolutely. Good job, Ben. So, Caves, I loved this episode too. Particularly because of the sort of joke at the beginning of the episode when they go down into the cave. So, the lower decks, the lower deck is embarking on an away mission to explore a cave. And, of course, they get stuck in the cave. And is it Mariner? Is it Mariner who makes the comment that all caves look alike? Yes, which, which is a very meta joke. Which is a meta joke because there's there was I think it was stage sixteen at Paramount where like where they with that which all the Trek shows use called Planet Hell, which was their cave set, and all of mm-hmm. the shows use them. And while they didn't, you know, they would light them differently; they'd be different colors, but you knew it was the same set every time. Yeah, they even take it a step further and say like the floors are the floor is completely flat, which is like a reference yeah. to the fact that it's shot on a soundstage, right? Yeah, and and they and they Brown say one point they say, yeah, didn't you know one third of all away missions are in caves, right? Which is uh, very fun. And then they they so then this becomes part of the uh, the story because they all have stories of their um, right. cave missions because they get so they end up getting stuck in this cave because there's a there's this moss in the cave that is slowly consuming Carnivorous everything. Moss. Carnivorous moss that is slowly yeah. consuming everything. And this prompts all of these sort of flashbacks to these respective missions that they've all gone on in a, where they've gotten stuck in a cave. Tendi, of course, keeps make, making reference to a turbo lift, which Mariner keeps interrupting her saying, that's not a cave. Yeah. And Tendi's, and actually <laughs> Tendi's story ended up being my favorite, ironically. Yeah, but it was very funny because it, it just, that joke was funny at first, but it's, it's one of those things that it got funnier each time it happened. Right. Well, which like, is... It, I'm not like, easy to do. I'm just going like I'm like, why does she keep talking about a turbo lift? Like I was laughing at like, why does she keep bringing this up? It's not. Yeah. A, I was with Mary. Like, I'm like, it's, it's not a cave. Opening on one side and then it's enclosed. Right. She was thinking like a cave, like not not in the literal sense, right? She's just like, it, well, it felt like a cave. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so we begin with Boimler's story. Yes. He's stuck with that. He's stuck in a cave and with so, a hilarious character. Mm-hmm, but that Lieutenant Levy. Here. Yep. Uh, and, and I love when Boimler finally tells him uh, Wolf 359 was a tragedy. Picard is not a hologram. And Voyager's, and Voyager's doctor is. Yes. And, yeah. and, uh, but who was it? Somebody didn't do the Klingon Civil War. Uh, oh, yeah. We oh, the- didn't do the Klingon Civil War. Right. Bringing up that like, Bush did 9 11 kind yeah. of. Uh, Line. Well, I was and so and the Picard's not a hologram thing. I was thinking to myself, what is that a reference to? And like, I I didn't know what it was. Like, I didn't like. Was it just a throwaway line? I couldn't. I didn't know if he was actually referencing just, like, something. Just thinking of crazy conspiracies, and that was a crazy. One. But every conspiracy theory he has is rooted in something that exists in canon. 
Yeah, that's true. But I was thinking but of the it card as one. That... I was like, what is that? What is that? What is that from? Yeah. I was I I, uh, I described it to. Do you remember when there was this theory that Bill Clinton was a lizard person? I think. And there were lizard people, and like Bush was a lizard person, and so. everybody was secretly a lizard person. I, I kind of I think so. Thought I over that, yeah. yeah, yeah, that all the elites were lizard people secretly. Yeah, well, and he also believed that the Vendorians had a hand in that going to warp speed damages subspace, which is a which is the um, plot oh, yeah. of the episode Force of Nature. Yeah, yeah, that that's a fun. Right, that's it just gets one. because it's it. It just gets more and more absurd, right? Like, why would that even? It's like, why would that even be the case? <laughs> like, what would they, what would they have to do with, you know, warp speed causing damage to subspace? Like, why would that even be? Why would that even be a conspiracy? I don't even just like, right, what's the connection right. there? You know. But he wound up being right. He wound up being right. Yeah, and, and the we meet the Vendor. Now, the Vendorians, by the way, um, we did see them before. I mean, on lower decks, but they were also. That's an animated series species. Oh, very nice. Yeah. And I had actually forgotten about that. So when I saw them, I was like, that looks very, I'm like, that looks very animated series. And of course it was. And we were discussing at the very, at the top of the, at, before we began recording, I said to you, did Don Lewis voice one of those? I said, it sounded just, Don Lewis, of course, is the voice actor for Captain Freeman. I'm like, mm -hmm. did, I said, it sounds like Don Lewis is, is voicing one of those yeah. so I, I looked it up really quick and she was she voiced the leader of yeah. the vendorans and what was funny about it was as you were saying like it's almost like she made no effort to like conceal her voice like she just did it yeah. flat out it just like a the, tiny bit more raspy than usual that was it. yeah that well was, it makes yeah, me was, think and like i was saying it makes me think of the animated series where you would have james Dewan or major roddenberry doing multiple voices and it was always so obvious major more than jimmy that it was that it was them doing those voices and I wonder, mm -hmm. like, is that, are they doing it like that on purpose with this one? Because, you know, you're dealing with a species that's from the animated series and you think, oh, let's just have Don Lewis do it. It'll be a nice, like, Easter egg. Because all the original series actors would, would sometimes pull double duty and do other voices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I got to give credit here, actually. I didn't think I would give call up directly Ben Rogers, but I will. Because one of the lines when they're captured and Boimler says, and I quote, Please let us go. I thought you were just a paranoid anxiety made up by people who need an imagined enemy to uh, simulate order on unrelated disasters so life doesn't seem so random and chaotic. Yeah. That's a great line because that really does sum up right. people that believe in all these conspiracy theories is what they are actually doing. And then <laughs> the great response from, from the aliens is, uh, that's what we wanted you to think. Which is hilarious, and the Vendoran the Vendorans ended up being pretty awesome aliens, and the like personality wise ended up being pretty awesome. I loved it. Yes, yes. But I, I got to say that was really, really good. That's a good social commentary. One of the best. It's weird because you know we just in the last episode we we're talking about AI, right, as being sort of social commentary e, and now we now we get one like this. Yes, sort of being social right. commentary, like it's so well it's done it's being done so well for the time yes and i wonder if people are because saying if they're shoving it down their throat or is this is this what they mean by not shoving it down their throat right <laughs> is this oh what was it what was it it's not shoving it down the throat it's um what would they say oh it was more um not tastefully done what did they say like it was more low key what, oh. they, what did they say 
Oh, I forget, it was, I forget what that thing was, but people would say, like, oh, yeah, they didn't shove it down your throat. It was much more, uh, I keep wanting to say tasteful, but that's more outward. More subtle. It was more subtle, but it was more subtle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what this I was, was subtle, dreaming it. What I would always say to that is, yeah, but not all social commentary has to be subtle. There are things, I think, that need to be shoved down your throat because you people don't. Right, and then I always point out, <laughs> my response to that always is, you mean a planet of people who one side of their face is one color and they want to kill the other people because the different side of their face is one color? That was subtle? That was always the that was always the uh, the meme I would see was always always using a screen cap from that, yeah. Yeah, that's not subtle. What did you think of Rutherford's cave adventure with Dr. Tiana and where he gives birth to that baby which is obviously very much like when trip tucker gave birth in the in the episode unexpected from right Enterprise. yeah i'll be at a much uh, far like more accelerated it was, rate it was funny stuff but first i want to say one more thing but it was the last one. Oh, i'm sorry go ahead yeah yeah um after the story when um i think it's boyman that says it's the power of caves they make you friends with jerks <laughs> a very very good one I do have to uh, say really quick too. Hold on, before about like throughout these yes. stories, again going back to the idea of them being taking place in caves and them saying, you know, all these caves look the same. It makes sense in the real world where all the caves look the same, but I love how in this show they could have easily made it look different, but they still kept the caves like they kept it as if it's being done live action. They still made the caves look exactly. I think each cave even had like that that ramp that they were going up. You know, like it yeah. they looked like yeah. they made it look like the exact same set. Through every single yeah, one they, of them, which I loved. They, they were dedicated to the gag, and it totally. worked out very well. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Rutherford's cave adventure with Dr. Tiana. Yeah, I like it. I love how when he first said it, he's like, oh, the time that I had a cave baby with Dr. T. <laughs> and, and just, you know, that's his kind of intro to the story. So it really perks up your ears, and you think, oh, this is going to be a wild one. Right. Um, and it was. It was a wild It one. ended up actually being my least favorite one. I liked it, but it wasn't my Me favorite too. of the four, yeah. Yeah, there were some funny lines. There was something about like, well, it's not really a baby; it's just a like a mass of cells right. inside your body. Like there were some funny lines. I, you know, uh, you know what I realized it is too, and I actually went through this on the first few episodes of the uh, new Frasier. I don't like it when there are babies on a show. I just, I don't know why. Okay. I just have a problem with that. I just hate that okay. for some reason. Even sounds, ones that aren't really babies? Yeah, it sounds horrible for me to say. Real life or animated babies or animated alien babies. I'm like, I just don't like it when there's a baby on a show. I just don't like I don't that. think you don't like when there's babies at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if I I don't know if I'd go that far, but I just, you know, it just I don't know. It made it it's hard, it may be a horrible thing for me to say, but what can I say? It's how I feel. Yeah, you're not a fan of babies, generally. Not a fan of babies. Not a fan of okay. babies on it. No, I mean you know, you know yourself. Listen, I have nieces and nephews. We've had, you know, I was a fan of them when they were babies. So they were once babies, yeah. Yes, they were. It wasn't like keep them away from me. I don't want to meet them until they're four. That is interesting though. Blanket thing, like in television, no babies is your thing. It's only something that I kind of decided on recently. <laughs> okay. But the baby was only around for the little bit of it. That right, but it made it it made it less interesting for me, I've got to say. Well, let's let's move on then. <laughs> So we get no, another no, mention. Of no, no, no. But I liked, I did like how the episode resolved. I mean, I liked how Rutherford communicated with, with the, uh, what was that thing called? The, um, uh, Graflax? Is that what you called it? Graflax? I don't even know. I don't know. I only said, let's move on. Cause I asked, honestly, I had no more notes. So I thought yeah. it was a good transition, but I just, I liked how it resolved. I like how he ended up communicating with it. And he was just saying like, Oh, we're just, 
you know, because that alien beast thought that they wanted its kid, and they said, "No, we don't. We don't want it." So there's, you know, oh yeah, yeah, that was a very Star Trek. That was a very good, very, very. Oh, it's just we just miscommunication. If we just talk it out, we'll all be fine. Totally, yeah. But and um, I did also like that it made sense that Boimler was very into the baby once the baby was there because Boimler just is kind of that personality, like he kind of goes along with everything and and just is a good natured person. Yeah. All right. Well, then talk about uh, Mariners. We'll do Tenny's last. Mariners was funny. Yeah. On an away cave mission. Yeah. And um, one of the things I would say, Delta Shift was really cool. Yeah. They had the eye patch guy and then the raspy voice lady. Yep. And uh, they come into a, a very fun classic Trek kind of thing. The the mineral chronotons that yeah. age them. It feels like some. It makes me think of the original series episode, The Deadly Years, when they all, you know, prematurely age. But I liked mm-hmm. that was a very. I loved that was a very like original series type of thing to do. Like something you get closer to, you just you begin to get you begin to age up the closer you yeah. get to I mean, it. But because it's animated, they got to do a lot with it. You go closer, you go far away. Go right. closer, go far away. But really, they couldn't have. To Did you up. notice? The closer Mariner got, the older she got. She had the silver stripe up across her head, just like her mother. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was pretty. It funny. was cool too. I know that she got older, like her head kind of went right down into her shoulders, right. like older people where they kind of get start to hunch a little bit. Right. It was very well done. Well, the best part of that I thought was the uh, officer who broke his leg, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, crawl closer; it'll heal it, and it will." Right? I don't know. It <laughs> healed wrong. It healed broke wrong. off. <laughs> And then their answer was, we'll just we'll t- go back to the ship and grow you a new one. Right. And they ended up leaving the fucking leg there. <laughs> Poor yeah, guy. and you really wanted to take it. They put that I don't know if uh, Mariner should be leading away missions, honestly. But you, but what I think what I liked about it was, like, you actually, in all of that, they worked out, you find out, like, sort of the root of the animosity between Delta Shift and their shift, right? Yes. And I thought that was, I thought that was kind of interesting to see. I liked that. Nice. Yeah, and then to nice. see them kind of come to a mutual respect and understanding, right? It was nice. I did like how it ended up resolving because you find out there was another set of those minerals, and it actually makes you younger. So like, they're like he's like, just come up to this one. Yeah, yeah. Very, very. That, well poor, that poor ensign with his broken leg. Like, man, I felt so bad for him. They they left again. They left and they left his leg behind, and it's just like. I need I need an update on him. I need to know I need to know that he has a new leg or something. Well, they were gonna grow him on. Doctor right. T was gonna grow him on. But I, I just need to see him again so I can feel better about it. Yeah, I thought I thought it was great. Yeah, and they really did not care that he broke his leg for them, and then right. Yeah, all well done. Now, Tendy's plot actually takes place immediately after the first episode of the show. Right. Yeah. They're yeah. Still so cleaning they're up the Cerritos. It's fun because we get to see her realize that. It's her place. She found her right. people. Right. Nice. And it's funny that the moss is the one that insists to hear the Cerberus story. I know. <laughs> right. They were, well, what I liked was that what, there was a sort of a, I don't whether unintentional or not, there, was, there seemed to be like a callback to when they're all enveloped by the moss. It reminded me of that episode of Enterprise. It's that um, uh, Latin name. I'm going to say it wrong. Vox Sola, where there's that alien creature that comes up with the enterprise and takes over the cargo bay and remember it traps archer and trip inside and, and Hoshi has to figure out a way to communicate it with it it's like a giant mm. like it's almost like a web type of creature that ends up getting on board somehow mm. and that's what it just i mean it was more about like them just being stuck in this being enveloped in this big ooze that's that's it just that on its own reminded me of that which yeah yeah, yeah. it wasn't green yeah. 
but still. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I, do point, really like, I like that. Yeah. So this one here, they're cel they're celebrating after the rage virus. Yep. And they all get drunk, mm -hmm. and they pass out in the turbo lift. Can't you just beam us out of here? That sort of sets up our the story. I'm surprised that they didn't actually climb out of there through the Jeffries tubes, but that's a, that's a different story, I guess, because they could have done that. Yeah. yeah. But it really, I think, is the beginning of their of their bond. And yeah, they really felt accepted by the as a lower decker. Yeah, they didn't care. She was worried they were going to judge her because she was an Orion. Mm -hmm. They, they yeah. took right. When there was that shot of the, before Shax comes in and rescues him and scares the shit out of all of them, when they were all like <laughs> laying on top of each other, like falling asleep, yeah, I was I'm like, like, I'm like, that's such a, I'm like, that is so sweet. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, but I, yeah, to your point earlier, I mean, this is an episode that sort of, this episode takes a break from the season long mystery. So we don't actually learn anything. It was a nice standalone episode. Yes, but it felt like a clip show, but it wasn't obviously. They were all new, so that was pretty, that was that was a nice touch. Right, right, yeah. It was flashbacks to events that we had not seen before, but I yes. did notice, like particularly when they did Tendy's story, which, as I said, takes place in the immediate aftermath of the first episode. They there was a, there was an extra layer of detail, so like they kind of the lighting was different. The lighting actually matched. It had, it, it sort of matched the visual. They've, they've modified the visual look of the show a little bit since then, but mm. they managed to sort of go back to the visual look that they had in that first season. Mm. So they were right. able to sort of, so like if you were to watch that first episode, you could immediately jump into that one and it would look like it was just, you know, part of the same episode, but they managed to match the, the two episodes really visually um, quite well. To make it seamless, um, I, I notice things like that. I don't think the you know the average viewer is going to, but no, I do. I miss it. Yeah, good eye, good eye. Mm. I like to think so. Do you have any? But it turns out after all this that it was all a manipulation by the conspiracy aliens. Yeah, just <laughs> a fun, yeah, a fun uh, callback. So a very well structured episode. I think. You know, we're eight episodes into this 10-episode season, and I've got to say, you know, I will obviously come back to this point when we're done with the season. But I'm going to say it now. It may be premature. I think so. this has been the best season of the show so far. For me. Interesting. I don't know if I can say that. No? I just... Haven't thought about it or, or watched yeah. the other seasons in a while. Yeah, I'm just I'm genuinely enjoying it a lot more. I mean, I've always enjoyed the show, but I feel like I'm enjoying it more as I watch it this season. And I think it just goes back to it really kind of standing on its own and doing its own thing. And I really appreciate it for that. Yeah, but we have two episodes left. Let's see if my theory holds true. Right. Yes. We have remaining, we have um, the inner fight, not the inner light, and old friends, new planets. The inner fight, I love that title so much. I laughed so, so hard when I read that. That's good. It's a good yeah. title. The inner fight, yeah. Yep. Do you have any um, random bits? Let's see. Random bits. Random bits. 
No, actually, I covered all my notes. All right. Very good. Well, I will wrap this one up by saying that I think Caves is a standout character episode that just really uses the Trek setting and delivers some really compelling narratives about, you know, friendship. There's a lot of growth in the characters this season. And, but a, a really good blend of humor, really good blend of, and a really good blend of, you know, very touching, very heart, heartfelt moments, I've got to say. And I think that's, as the season gets to the end of it, I'm, you know, obviously looking forward to how they're going to resolve all this. But I think there's just been some great character building this season and some really great character evolution this season. And I think every yeah. episode has managed to deliver on that so far. And I think even a lot of these things we wouldn't expect, but they still are good moments, like the mm. Delta and Beta. Yeah. True kind of understanding each other better. Right. I would have never expected that or needed it, but what a great way to have it be a, um, you know, not just a funny, silly story. Yeah. They really are doing it well. And I do have to say, I think that uh, 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 that those lines that Mariner gave about um, people's conspiracy theories could be one of my favorite lines of the whole series. I thought those were quite good. Yeah. Fantastic, even. All right. Oh, and I did like also the response to the other one. He said, most people find us preachy and unsettling when they actually kind of like them. I wonder something. How do you think, maybe impossible to say, how do you think this, if this Trek show were made as an animated Trek show back then, during, say, TNG, DS9, Voyager, how do you think it would have been, do you think it would have been successful? Do you well, think it this show, this yeah. show would never have been made then. Let's just say it could have. I don't think so. it would have been successful as it is now, because I think humor... It would have been like 30 years too early humor-wise, and I don't yeah. think people would have been on board. Like if it had been humor. made in like, say, the heyday of The Simpsons, right? Or maybe even going a little bit further ahead in like, say, the heyday of like Family Guy, when Family Guy began. Like, do you think it could have... No? Maybe like early 2000s. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I could see it as being like an adult swim show, you know? Yeah, it definitely never would have gotten made at the time. And if they did make an animated show, it would have been so bad. Yeah. I just, I, the thing is, when I think about the people who wrote for Trek back then, it probably would have been created by them. And I don't yeah, know if they would have been they, able to successfully do the, yeah. And they're probably not as funny as they think they are. <laughs> or they would have no. thought they were. Well, the so, fact that this show gets, you know, stand-up comedians and comedy writers, that's right. really... What we're shocked. saying is, like, you need Mike McMahon behind a show like this. Yes. And you yeah. need to bring in these people who, like, um, you know, the writer of A Few Badges More, who was a stand-up comedian for a long time, and then a writer on comedy shows. So, yeah, I think you need that. I'm sure Trek fans back then, it, like, imagine going back to, like, 1994, back in time, and they ask yeah. you, what's Trek like in the future? And you tell them this show. They'll be, they'd probably be horrified. Yeah, if they had comedians writing it, they'd be like, what? They just think happened? it was. What has happened God. to Trek? What's the deal with the Republican? Oh, and by the way, one of the live action shows did a musical. Oh, my God. Yeah. <sighs> What's the deal with replicator peanuts? I, it's just, I always, 
have a lot of fun thinking about those things. Like if I was able to go back in time to that time period and tell people what the Trek of today is, like what shows exist, mm. you know, I often wonder what the reaction would be, particularly be like Strange New Worlds when you just tell them like, oh yeah, it's the original pilot now as a television series. And it's just like, wait, what? Really? Yeah. That one would probably make more sense than in Lower Decks. <laughs> Lower Decks seem, I mean, even when they announced Lower Decks, like what was it like? I don't know, four years ago, three years ago, like the year right. before it came out, we were like, what? How's that going to work? Right. But I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't closed off to it. I, I wanted to see how that would work. Yeah, it was intriguing. Especially when we heard like by a Rick and Morty right. writer or right. producer or whatever it was. Right. Yeah, that was, that was very and much. What, I mean, and what happened? It ended up, I mean, this is before Strange New Worlds. I don't know if Strange New Worlds is your favorite. But I think it, it ended up becoming we're like, this is like the best one out of all of these. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Because yeah. I think the one thing they didn't that didn't come across back then was yes, it's an animated comedy, but it's also going to be like a real Trek show. I think we all had it in our minds that it's just going to be making fun of it at every turn. It's just going to be some kind of parody, some kind of spoof. It's like, oh, it's as close as Trek can get. It's like going to be Trek's own Galaxy Quest. Right. And yeah. yeah. So I yeah. still and it's so hard to believe that we're 38 episodes in. I mean, we're oh, this is like the end of season 4 already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually taking this now, it still does make me feel a little I still want to know Star Wars had a comedy show that when Disney bought them, they just buried it. it was really? Animated. Yeah. Like and they had some of the robot chicken people were involved in writing it. Yeah. I think George Lucas was also involved, which makes me think it would have actually been stories. So it might have been very similar to this, hmm. but it uh, has not seen the light of day. Could you see Star Wars doing it, doing a show like this? Yeah, and working the same way. Yeah, it could work. You, I guess you, if it's done well, yeah, yeah. On some, you know, depending on where you set it, you couldn't make it like Luke Skywalker's. Yeah, you know, you'd have to pick a random corner of the universe. Wouldn't you want to see the Death Star lower decks? This yeah. gotta be lower deck is on a Death Star, like an Imperial Star. Oh my god! Right? Yeah. You know, just the yeah. just the idea of that. Yeah, I mean, the idea of that puts a smile on my face, quite honestly. Yeah, that would be very fun. Because you still could do that type of storytelling with Star Wars, because it is a ship in space. They're in space. Yeah, you can do Rebel lower deckers. Yeah, it could just be like those people on the bridge who work in like that pit, and they go shh, and every time yeah. like somebody walks by. Yeah. They just get really freaked. Oh, I don't want to work on the bridge today. I'm so scared. Like, but he walks around. He just paces around. I'm so scared of him. <laughs> that could be a really good joke, I think, for a Star Wars, for a Star Wars comedy. Yeah. The officers who work in those pits on the bridge. Yeah, but witness. So Vader can kill somebody if he gets angry. Right. Specifically on Vader's Star Destroyer, the ones who what's it called? The Executor. The ones who have to be on the bridge. Wants a promotion on that ship when when he's around. <laughs> Nobody wants a promotion on that ship. Yeah. Oh, that would be really great. We should write that. Yeah. Yeah, Mariner could survive that situation just fine. I'm sure. Oh yeah, she'd be buddies with drinking buddies with Vader somehow. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we're gonna be back at some point next week, I assume. To discuss yeah. the last two episodes of the show. As you said, what were, remind us the titles again. They are definitely 
the inner fight, hmm. and old friends, new planets. All right. Well, I have no predictions. I just the I guess my only prediction is that this plot line will be resolved, but that's not really much of a prediction. Oh yeah, I think the inner fight will be about an inner fight. An inner turmoil, an inner struggle with one's own persona. I don't think it'll be a spoof of the inner light. I think they just like to right. use the titles and do play on words. But if they want to do a spoof of the inner light, I'll gladly take it. Yeah. All right, everybody. See you soon. Later.